Good morning. If you would please turn your Bibles with me to the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, and in verse 12. The Bible says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. There are a lot of things that are very powerful. There are things that we can see. There are things that we cannot see. And sometimes it is those things that we do not see that we say can really get to us. What is it that disturbs us the most? What is it that makes us the most joyful? What is it that might scare us? What is it that can cause us to have so many different feelings, so many different emotions, but can also point out the reality of where you are and where you ought to be? Well, the Word of God does just that. The writer of Hebrews says that it is living, that it is powerful, that it is sharper than any two-edged sword. It can pierce even to the division of soul and the spirit, and of the joints and the marrow. It is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The Word of God is the only thing that can help you to see inside yourself, to see if, in fact, you are in the right relationship with God. And there are many times in which the Word of God has been proclaimed. And there are times in which the Word of God has been responded to, yet in different ways. One person said that, I apologize if I happen to step on your toes. The reason is because I missed. I was actually aiming at your heart. And that's where the source needs to be. So now that we know that the Word of God cuts to the heart, how does it affect us? Well, first, I'm sure we can all say that we are all affected in various ways. Sometimes it is something that we see that can affect us. Sometimes it is what we hear. And other times we might say it is what We do what is done to us. Earlier in the book of Hebrews, in chapter 1, there in verse 1, we're told that God, who at various times and in various ways, spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by a son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. When we know how God's word has occurred, we see its power. In the very beginning, God said, let there be light. And there was light. That was power. When God began to speak to man, man could hear what God expected of him. Man had the power to obey or to disobey. And when you go back to the Garden of Eden and see how the Word was obeyed, 
everything was fine. But then when the word of not eating of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was disobeyed, then man had to suffer the consequences. And then we find that God's word came through the Ten Commandments. God spoke His word through the prophets. And then, as the writer says, in these last days spoken by His Son. Jesus is God's only begotten Son. The Gospel of John plainly tells us in chapter 1 and verse 1 that in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Verse 14 tells us, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. When Jesus spoke, things happened, and people listened. Remember when Jesus was in the boat with His disciples. He said, Peace be still, and there was a great calm. His word was full of power. And yet, he still speaks to us today. Paul told Timothy in Second Timothy chapter 3, there in verse 16, that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. That it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped, and do every good work. When we read the pages of the Bible, we read God's Word. We find the same power that God could work through us. And like many that were in the Old Testament, that heard God speak, that could see the Ten Commandments, that could hear the prophets, or like those in the New Testament that heard Jesus himself, or those that proclaimed him, we have the power. And question is, why are we going to do with that power? Are we going to do what God commands us to do? Or are we not? Well, reality is there is some that will and there are some that will not. When we go to the book of Acts in chapter 5, you find that first we have an occasion in which the word of God was proclaimed, but people did not respond in a very favorable way. As a matter of fact, you'll recall that Peter and John were doing exactly what they were commanded to do. Remember Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He tells us that is exactly what they were to do. And that's exactly what they did. But in Acts, the fifth chapter, we find that they were put into prison because of doing what Jesus said to do. But this did not deter them. In verse 29 of Acts chapter 5, we're told... Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. 
the God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. Him God has exalted to his right hand to be prince and savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses to these things. And so also is the Holy Spirit whom God is given to those who obey him. They didn't let prison deter them, but instead they continued to proclaim the word of God. They made it very clear of who Jesus was, the very one that they had murdered. He said by hanging on a tree, but there's more to it. He did not just die and was left for dead, but rather he was buried and he rose again. After all, in verse 31, he says that God has exalted him to his right hand to be prince and savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Yes, it is through Jesus Christ that we can find repentance. It is through him that we can find forgiveness of sins. And after he was buried, he rose again, appeared to his disciples for a little while. And yes, in verse 32, they were his witnesses. They spoke with him. They saw him do many things. And as Acts chapter 1 even tells us, they saw him ascend into heaven. And yes, as he went to heaven, they were told, so would he come back to take us to heaven with him. But those that will go with him, in verse 32, are those who obey him. And that's what Peter and John and the apostles wanted them to do, was certainly to obey the word of God. But in verse 33, we begin to find what their intentions were. When they heard this, they were furious and plotted to kill them. Not only were they furious, but this term furious also tells us the idea that they were cut directly to the heart. God's word had had an effect upon them. But instead of doing something good, they wanted to kill them. Like so many people when a message is delivered, If it's a good message, you want to rejoice. You thank the one that sent you the message. You're very happy. You celebrate. But if a message is given to you that you do not like, if you don't like the message, the common thing to do is to take it out on the messenger. Immediately, those that heard this wanted to kill Peter and others. But instead... As the discussion unfolds, there was one that rose up to tell them about Thutis, one who said that there were things that claimed to be of God, and if it is of God, you can do nothing to stop it. But if not, it will simply run its course. We find later in verse 40, they were convinced, and called for the apostles and had beaten them, and commanded they should not speak in the name of Jesus, and they let them go. But that wasn't the end, because they continued to go. 
speaking in the name of Jesus. They rejoiced in verse 41 that they were accounted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. Imagine that as every day the word was proclaimed, every day there were ears that heard. There were hearts that were touched. There were lives that were affected. And we find exactly how they responded. Another occasion is found in Acts the 7th chapter. You'll recall that there a young man by the name of Stephen too proclaimed the gospel of Christ. He began telling the people what had happened in the Old Testament. How God had delivered his people. How he had done many wonders through his leaders. Made it very plain how the people would know exactly who God is. And then he began to relate to who Jesus was, how he was spoken of them. As we pick up in verse 37 of Acts chapter 7, that Moses who said to the children of Israel, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. Him you shall hear. This is he who was in the congregation in the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him on Mount Sinai. And with our fathers, the one who received the living oracles to give to us, whom our fathers would not obey, but rejected. And in their hearts they turned back to Egypt, saying to Aaron, Make us gods to go before us. As for this Moses who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And they made a calf in those days, offered sacrifices to the idol, and rejoiced in the works of their own hands. Then God turned and gave them up to worship the host of heaven, as it is written in the book of the prophets. Did you offer me slaughtered animals and sacrifices during forty years in the wilderness, O house of Israel? You also took up the tabernacle of Moloch and the star of your god Remphan, images which you made to worship, and I will carry you away beyond Babylon. Our fathers had the tabernacle of witness in the wilderness, as he appointed instructing Moses to make it according to the pattern that he had seen, which our fathers, having received it in turn, also brought with Joshua into the land possessed by the Gentiles, whom God drove out before the face of our fathers until the days of David. He found favor before God and asked to find a dwelling for the God of Jacob. But Solomon built him a house. However, the Most High does not dwell in temples made with hands, as the prophet says. Heaven is my throne, and earth is my footstool. What house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or what is the place of my rest? Has my hand not made all these things? You see, Stephen is reminding them all the things that God had done, and how their fathers treated him, how they were not willing to serve him, but instead turned to serve other gods. And yet, there are still very few who are willing to believe Him, who are willing to listen to Him, who are willing to obey Him. But the majority did not. 
And that's why in verse 51, he went on to say, You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit, as your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one, of whom you now have become the betrayers and murderers who have received the law by the direction of angels and have not kept it. Yes, the forecoming of Christ was told. How indeed he would be the just one. How there were those that just betrayed him. That just murdered him. Had him crucified upon the cross. Verse 54 tells us their reaction. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed at him with their teeth they heard a very powerful message a message that cut them to the heart as the Hebrew writer says would be done but they gnashed at him with their teeth and Stephen began to speak of the things that he would see in verse 57, they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears and ran at him with one accord. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of the young man named Saul. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Did he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. They were cut to the heart. They killed the messenger. And Stephen identifies that they had committed sin. You see, that's what their fathers had known. What was sin in the eyes of God. Yet many had continued to do just that. The people had heard Jesus. Many betrayed him. Many killed him. And yet, as one was describing who Jesus was and what he had done for them, they were still willing to kill him. This is an unfavorable way to respond when being cut to the heart. So how should one respond? What is the favorable way? The best description is given in the book of Acts chapter 2. You'll recall that in Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost had fully come. We're told in verse 4 that they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The apostles could speak in languages wherein people were born that they could hear about Jesus Christ. And that's exactly the opportunity that Peter took advantage of. As verses 14 unfolds through verse 36, he tells them all exactly who Jesus is and what he had done for them. But coming down to verse 36, he said, "Let Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly 
that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. The same message was preached. Jesus, the Son of God, the one that is both Lord and Christ, you have just killed. In verse 37, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Did you find a difference in what happens here on the day of Pentecost and what happened when Peter and the other apostles preached the word in prison and when Stephen was preaching the message? Instead of immediately wanting to do something, they asked, What shall we do? They were willing to listen to the word as it is being proclaimed. They knew that there was something that someone else wanted them to do. And so in verse 38, Peter tells them what they needed to do. Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children, and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. They knew that they needed to do something. And Peter told them what they needed to do and who it was that gave them the authority to do that. It was in the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the name that is above every name. Jesus is the one that has been given all authority, both in heaven and on earth. And so it is through him that they needed to know what to do. So Peter said, you must repent and be baptized. Why would they need to repent after all? Because they all have sins that needed to be repented of. Paul said in Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, For all a sin and come short of the glory of God. Sometimes people sin and yes, they know they have. But you know there are other times in which they commit sins without realizing that it is a sin. And sometimes that sin needs to be pointed out. (coughs) And once we recognize the fact that we are all sinners, there is something that must be done about it. But we must also know that Jesus has done something. The one that knew no sin offered himself as a sacrifice for our sins. The same Jesus that they had just crucified. The same one that is both Lord and Christ. That is God's only begotten Son. And therefore we realize that yes we have sins and they must be repented of. Because Jesus said himself in Luke chapter 13 verses 3 and 5. I tell you nay but except you repent you shall all likewise perish. There are sins that need to be repented of. But repenting of them doesn't mean that they are taken away. 
but only the precious blood of Christ could be shed to take away our sins. And that is why he said to be baptized for the remission of sins. Remember what Saul of Tarsus was told by Ananias in Acts chapter 22. There in verse 16, he says, And now why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. You have to do something to wash your sins away. And that something is to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. That's what it's for, for the remission of sins. Well, if they were truly cut to the heart, and they truly asked what they should do, and they truly were told what they should do, would they do it? Verse 41 tells us, Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. They were cut to the heart. They did respond in a very favorable way. They did what was necessary to have their sins taken away. And we're told later in verse 47 that the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. God's word is very, very plain. It has been proclaimed many, many times and in many ways. But the question is, how are we going to respond to it? If we are truly willing to listen, if it affects us like it should, if it cuts us to the heart, tells us what is right, what is wrong, what God expects of us to do, the rest is up to us. Are we going to respond unfavorably? Are we going to gnash with our teeth? Are we going to do some things that we should not do? Or are we not going to do anything at all? On the other hand, are we going to respond in a favorable manner? Are we, like those on the day of Pentecost, going to be willing to listen, to believe it, and obey it? If we're truly willing to obey the Word of God, one can see the power that the Word of God has. It is alive is very powerful even today. Are you willing to allow that power to work in you? This morning we're about to sing the song of encouragement. And if there is one that needs to respond to the invitation, won't you come as together we stand and sing.